My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. <laughs> Off again this with is your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? in your mind startling you out of an already shallow sleep there hasn't been a peaceful night's rest since the nightmares occurred but was it a nightmare it feels so real the white light you can still see it in your mind's eye silhouettes of odd shaped cold figures looming into frame it's happening again no it's not a dream it's a memory a flashback a last-ditch effort of your central nervous system to self-correct the inflicted trauma. TV may do the trick. podcast with my buddy Thomas who makes comic books under his company Paranoid American but I was reading the X-File comics and everything you were talking about with Sam and the guys on tinfoil hat was like exactly what these X-Files writers were looking into clearly because it was all coming to life like as you were talking about it I'm like visualizing things I had just read images I had just seen because they're talking about this kind of weird shadowy area where maybe these what we're calling UFOs, what most people consider aliens, are actually secret black budget factions of our government, right? And you know, the first time I had you on the show, we talked a little bit about this. I think we talked about more of what Walter Bosley's well known for, which is like the whole Del Shao group and how those weird airships kind of evolved into what are now, I guess, flying saucers. But maybe today we can get into a little bit of that like MK Ultra UFO overlap because it does seem like, you know, we were given this bill of goods, we were sold this bill of goods that, you know, random rednecks were just getting <laughs> abducted by aliens little green aliens who wanted to shove a probe up their butt and maybe dissect a cow on their way home back to you know zeta reticuli or whatever 
And in fact, I mean, how I, now it seems like those were actually military operations conducted by, you know, possibly people within our government or within the military, you know, using some sort of technology to induce an experience or a memory uh, of something that was different than what actually occurred. And now we're given this kind of fantasy to go along with it. And this whole sci-fi culture is really bolstered on the possibility of these things being real events. So, I mean, where did this kind of start for you? Obviously, you're a guy who, you know, goes directly to this source. You've interviewed some amazing guests on your show, Raised by Giants. I mean, some top-level people with clearance to know a lot of these things. I mean, did this come to you before you embarked on these interviews, or was this something you kind of latched onto or came to the conclusion of amidst talking to these people? Because I know you're, you're interested in this subject, but the connection specifically between MKUltra and, and UFO abductions, I mean, when did this occur to you? Well, it's really interesting, Mark. First off, thanks for having me back on your show. I really appreciate you, brother. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. This is a great way to start it out because really where this started for me was digging deep into the super soldiers and the secret space program people. Right. I don't know if, if your audience or you are familiar with what they talk about, but they talk about a lot of fantastical things, you know, like traveling in space, MK ultra time travel, age regression, med beds, 20 and back programs, all these aliens in space and all this stuff. And something never really sat right with me with it. I'm like, these people are just on here talking about random stuff. They're just throwing, they're just taking a little bit from here, taking a little bit from there, and then they're creating their own story. So I started digging into, cause I had a few of them on my show, some of the more legit ones that I thought were at that time when I started my show legit. And so then I just started really thinking about it. I was just like, you know, hanging out and I'm like thinking about like, how does this make any kind of logical sense? You know, how can a, cause they claim that at five years old, they were taken or six year, whenever they were a really young child, they were taken by the military, a three letter agency, the CIA to a underground military base locations vary, you know, it can be in New York, it can be in New Jersey, it can be in California, Pennsylvania, wherever. And I was like, how can they be taken at such a young age and nobody know where they are? And they're supposedly taken to a, one of these military bases or MK ultra, they're mind fractured, they're, put into these, their consciousness is split into an altar and then they're shipped off to space almost immediately through like a jump room at one of these military bases to Mars or to the moon or whatever. And then they live out 20 years of their life and then their age regressed back to the very point that they're taking. And during that 20 years, they talk about these extravagant things, you know, fighting aliens, taking over Mars, taking over the moon. There's bases on the moon. There's bases on Mars where humans are living and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, how does this make, how can people quantify this in their brain? You know, how can we try and make this make sense? You know, because absolutely none of it makes sense. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start just digging into what they're talking about, you know, to try and figure out if any part of their story is real, which I've been calling their story a conspiracy burrito. That's what I've trademarked 
conspiracy burrito. It's a conspiracy <laughs> burrito, right? It's just got everything right. in it. You know, you got the aliens, you got the time trial, you got everything that people talk about within this community all wrapped up into one nice little box with a bow on top, you know? So then I started digging into the MKUltra programs because that's how all their stories start out was with MKUltra. You know, I was taken as a child, taken to the base, MKUltra and Mind Fracture. Then I was sent to Mars through a portal in the jump room and all that. So I started digging into the MK Ultra programs, which anybody can look at these programs. There's 149 declassified MK Ultra programs that you can legitimately read through. And this is a thing with the community. People just, they, they just talk about things. They just, you know, try and connect dots or whatever without actually reading through any real kind of documentation, which is very important because whenever you read through those, you realize what's actually happening. You know, they're there for a reason, which that's not all of the MKUltra programs because a lot of them got destroyed. There is supposedly another 200, this is just speculation, another 200 MKUltra subprojects that that was destroyed whenever Sidney Gottlieb, he was trying to do this operation called Operation Spellbinder, which was a operation to MKUltra, somebody to be an assassin, sort of like a Manchurian candidate. If you've seen the movie Manchurian candidate. And once that operation got mixed, they, they didn't, it didn't work out for them. They decided to destroy that document along with 200 or so other MK Ultra documents. So this isn't all of them, but I've read through all of the 149 declassified MK Ultra programs. And it's very, enlightening it goes into all kinds of different stuff it goes into how they did this type of program right the first part of it is depatterning and depatterning is done through some form of torture now this is a weird concept that people get misconstrued in the community they think that torture is just you know, being beaten or being raped or molested or something like that, which it is, right? But it doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be something very simple as torture, something very annoying over a long period of time. Mm. That can be torturous to the human psyche. Well, you know, yeah, there's the whole a, there's the whole Chinese water torture, which I don't know, maybe that's not the right term for it anymore. But the water drops on the forehead was famously like something they would do in ancient China to get information out of people, because you know something as simple as a water dro- bead dropping on your forehead just once every couple of seconds or once every minute. You know, it'll drive you insane if you if you're enduring it long enough. I mean, yeah, it takes quite a strong mind to be able to endure those kind of tests of will. But yeah, they seem to have used them to, against people, right? Like it's almost interesting the comparison to shamanism because in in ancient world, even in more indigenous cultures today, there are rite of passages that people undergo where they're scarred or they're maimed or they're meant to fight something or go through this endurance challenge or, you know, dehydrate themselves to the point of almost emit, you know, and they survive it and they become a, a different person on the other side of it. Now this is, you know, ritualized is possibly 
cultural, maybe even healthy for them. But clearly we're seeing in this, you know, an inversion of that, you know, especially when it comes to something like Chinese water torture. It's yeah, it's sinister, really. Yeah, there's like the there's the physical torture which can depattern people, and then there's the psychological torture which can also depattern people, and that's what the MK Ultra CIA programs were about was psychological manipulation and psychological torture. So they would use a bunch of different techniques in order to depattern people, which Depatterning removes normal thinking patterns, common sense, critical thinking, basically like a clean slate. You're just clean slating them, and then they would drug them. Now, drugs, you know, there's a misconception about the MKUltra programs only using drugs. There's, I mean, LSD. It was way more than just LSD. It was mushrooms, it was antidepressants, it was antipsychotics, it was amphetamine, which amphetamine is categorized under Adderall and Ritalin. So there was an array of drugs that they were using within these official CIA MK Ultra programs. It wasn't just LSD and mushrooms. The LSD and mushroom thing is kind of like a something to kind of <clears throat> cover up. Right. What they were doing, you know, make it all it. wild and wooey, you know, like, yeah. oh, it was just an experimentation on LSD. That's what really any official, sorry, <clears throat> any official person that knows anything about it, which they, when they haven't read through the official documents, then they would realize it was much more than just LSD. But that's the first thing <clears throat> that comes to people's heads is the LSD when you talk about MK Ultra. You know, like if you're on Joe Rogan's talking about, oh, was it those the LSD experiments? Weren't those the psilocybin experiments? And well, yeah, it was, but there was also other drugs that were involved as well, such as what I just mentioned: antidepressants, antipsychotics, Adderall, Ritalin, and those medications are a lot of what the population is on right now, and they came directly out of the MK Ultra programs, right? It's it's really fascinating and eye-opening to that extent and whenever you look up the percentage rate of u.s citizens on some form of pharmaceutical medication there's a study from 2014 to 2016 that sh that says that almost 50 percent of the population was on some form of pharmaceutical medication and roughly around 67 percent of adults were on some form of pharmaceutical medication as well. And that study is what almost eight years old now, <laughs> you know, so it's only increased over time. I'm sure that those numbers are resting somewhere around 70%, especially during 2020. I mean, all that, all that stuff went up, you know, depression went up, anxiety went up and all that. Cause we, you know, we're locked in our homes. So after they're done drugging them, they do this thing that's called psychic driving and psychic driving is the official description of what psychic driving is was they would put a looped audio message in after they had been depatterned after they had been drugged they put a recorder in there with a looped audio message and anything could be on that looped audio message and this was the technique that they were using to implant false thoughts false memories and false belief systems into their head. I mean, you think about it, 
You've just been depatterned. You've either been psychologically tortured, you've been physically tortured, you've been drugged, and now they're, you're, you're 100% susceptible to anything that you hear. So they throw in a, a looped audio message, whatever's on that recording, you're believing is true. It could be about anything. It could be about yourself. I'm sure they did all kinds of experiments and not only, you know, things talking about you, you know, you're a horrible person, you you know, you're, you suck, you know, whatever. And, or it could be that you did some wild and crazy shit when you didn't actually do that. You know, and then these things resurface later in your life. So looking at the looped audio message part of this, I'm like, okay, well, if they can do that with a recording, then what keeps them from doing that with a TV? Can they just wheel a TV in and put something on a TV? That way you're getting a audio and a visual message. So you're not only seeing something, but you're hearing it as well. Then the next version of that would be to put some sort of virtual reality goggles on you. And this is actually 100% legit. They're already talking about this. Like in our time now, they're talking about using psychedelics along with the virtual reality experience to make it more real. You know, like these things are real. It's not just, you know, a, a thought and a theory. It's legit. So, when you look at it like this, MK Ultra was designed in the very first, whenever they very first started doing it, was to remove information from a subject's head. And then it became repurposed to implant things into a subject's head, to create false memories, to create false realities, to create false beliefs within that person. So the original purpose was to take and remove classified information that high-up military or high-up intelligence people had so that they can continue on, you know, living their life once they retired from the agency or whatever so that they wouldn't have access to that classified information anymore. So once they figured out that they can do that, then they were like, oh, okay, let's switch this up now. Let's see what we can implant. Let's see what we can make people believe happened when it didn't really happen. And then within those MKUltra programs, within the 149 declassified documents of MKUltra, there were four to five sub-projects that were done specifically to study ESP abilities, psychic abilities, telekinesis and remote viewing, which remote viewing falls under that banner. It's just an ESP type of phenomenon. So then I was like, holy shit. I know that there is a real government ran remote viewing unit during the cold war. It's called the Stargate project, which the Stargate project wasn't, its original name, it went under many different code names, code words, because it's a very convoluted story. It switched hands, it started out as an Army intelligence program, got transferred to DIA, then Army intelligence started their own separate program, and then it got merged again. It was called Sunstreak, Girl Flame, and then there was another one that it was called. The Center Lane was another Army intelligence program. 
and then they got combined and then there was a DOD DIA special access program and then it got that was called Sunstreak and then it was changed to Stargate in 92 by Dale Graft which I've had Dale Graft on my show I've had a lot of the military trained operational remote viewers on my show the people that I've reached out to that were willing to come on my show of course I'm missing a few because there was maybe like 25 to 30 between the course of from 78 to 95 when it shut down so then I started, you know, researching those programs because I saw a connection here between the MK Ultra. Sydney Gottlieb was studying psychic abilities within the MK Ultra programs. And then he was funding SRI International from 73 to 75 through the CIA. The CIA was giving Sydney Gottlieb money in order for it to be funded, not in an official capacity. He was like a, you know, just like a donor, you know, but, you know, he was getting his money from the CIA. So we have these two really big connections here. And then I'm reading through these Stargate documents. I'm reading through the Sunstreet documents, the Girl Flame documents. And I'm seeing that there's a connection here between out-of-body experiences as well. Because... Army Intelligence paid the Monroe Institute $2,000 to take its army personnel to Robert train the Monroe Institute with Robert Monroe, which Robert Monroe at the Monroe Institute was to hemisync the brain using frequencies to induce an out-of-body experience. So then I'm like, holy shit, all of these things are connected. And... What I think is happening was that they found out that psychic abilities were a byproduct of the MKUltra programs. So when you're tortured, you're psychically driven, most people that have trauma have some sort of -of out-of-body experience. And through that out-of-body experience, they're somehow unlocking some sort of psychic ability. Now that psychic ability can range from, you know, heavily done trauma that's induced upon you. It could be done from every day, every life trauma. You don't have to be through a, you know, an official MK Ultra program to have trauma in your life or to have psychic abilities. But the more I dug deep into a lot of these remote viewers and people with psychic abilities, I realized that quite a majority of them had some sort of -of out-of-body experience whenever they were younger. Ingo Swan, he was one of the most popular remote viewers ever, probably one of the best next to Pat Price. He often talked about having a out-of-body experience whenever he was younger because he was bullied a lot. You know, so I'm like, what are they trying to do here? They're, they're sending their army intelligence people to study with Robert Monroe to induce an out-of-body experience. A lot of these people had near-death experiences that have these abilities that develop them organically which near-death and out-of-body, I think, are very similar to each other. So are they trying to create psychics? This is where my thought process went. You know, Instead of doing the, the torture aspect of this and 
wasting money on torturing people because from my understanding, speaking with Kathy O'Brien and her being through the MK Ultra programs, which I think she is very legit. She did a, a testimony to Congress in 95 about this, which was shrouded under the National Security Act, so it wasn't ever released. But from what she talks about, very few people actually made it out of the MK Ultra process. And this is another thing that is misconstrued and misrepresented within the community. To be a part of an official MK Ultra program, you aren't being abducted. That's a big misnomer within this whole thing. They think they, the people that were a part of these programs were just abducted out of the room at night. That's not how it works. One of two things happen. You either get sold into the program like Kathy O'Brien, you get sold into it by a family member, which what they look for is prior sexual abuse or incest-based abuse from your father or from a family member. You get sold into it at a young age, like in Kathy O'Brien's case, and a lot of other 100% legit MK Ultra survivors, they get sold into it. Or you volunteer for it. And most of the volunteering came from hospital patients, prisoner patients, and people like that that are already within the system. People aren't getting abducted. That's the thing that, that's really important to realize and, and know because in this community, they make it seem like that you're just snatched out of your bed at three in the morning and you're taken to this underground military base and then you have all this stuff happen to you. Mm. That's not the way that it works. Now, is there maybe, you know, extenuating circumstances where that is the case? I mean, people often want to make sense of the, you know, rampant abductions that you see in certain areas, specifically like national parks where the federal government has oversight. And, you know, there, there is, there's been waves of, of that, you know, I think the 80s, there was like a wave of child abductions I don't know how much of that was media, you know, induced panic or actual factual abductions. But do you think there's a small portion, at least, of people that get abducted in? I mean, if they're human trafficking, you got to imagine that these aren't the most moralistic people in the first place. I don't know if they would. Well, yeah, but not in a, not at a official capacity. Like mm, the military, okay. the CIA, these three other organizations right, aren't right. out there abducting people. They want now, to go through are, somewhat official black channels, like black market channels at the most. Or yeah, at the, at the yeah. most, that's what would be happening. Yeah. They would be contracting somebody to go and abduct people if that is indeed what they're doing. But I'm here to tell you right now that the military, three letter organizations are not going around abducting people. That's a uh, really false claim. Now, saying that no abductions happen, yeah, people go missing all the time. You know, there's abductions that, you know, people, you know, just, you know, serial killers abducting people, killing people, you know, all that. But more than likely, they're, they're like, never found. You know, like, they're, they're dead. You know, they're, right. they were killed or they were put into some sort of, you know, sex trafficking role. You know, but as far as military official capacity, no, doesn't happen and has never happened. The only reason that the military or the CIA or any through that organization would be after you is 
if you had some sort of classified information. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. And people use that, you know, there's a lot of paran- paranoia that goes along in this community, right? But I'm telling you right now, and anybody listening, nobody is that important. They have this whole thing all figured out. This community has all been figured out. It's been infiltrated. It's You, you literally have nothing to worry about. Mm. There's absolutely nothing happening that would, you know, make you think that you're being followed or that you're being tracked or that any of this stuff is happening because all the real stuff has been, you know, we're never going to know about. Right. It's just never going to happen. We're just never going to know. I mean, we can dig and we can pry and all that, but it's just never going to know about it. And that's just the, the proof. That's just the reality of it, you know, and we see, things that happen to people that have real classified information, right? They get a knock on their door almost immediately by DOD, DIA. One of these through that organizations are knocking on their door if they have real information. All these other people, they got nothing, you know, and that's a part of this whole secret space program in this, this super soldier community. They all talk about how they have, you know, highly classified information. The things that they're talking about is all like classified. It's all military black ops and all. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you would not be able to talk about it if you did. Mm, right. Right. You yeah. I, I mean, that's just this reality. Yeah. If I had a, this happened to the Dr. David Morehouse, which he was a part of the remote viewing unit at Fort Meade. He's been on my show a couple of times. I think our, we did two interviews together. Well, we did three. I did a round table with him, Walter Bosley and Kathy O'Brien. But the first one and the second one, I really implore people to listen to those, watch those. Those are very important. That is coming directly from a, a DIA military intelligence officer that worked on legitimate special access programs, real ones, not rinky dinky fairy tale space stuff with reverse engineering nonsense from extraterrestrial craft. That's what we get this thing about in this community that anything that's a special access program revolves around some woo-woo shit, but it doesn't. That's not what a real special access program was. He was a part of a real special access program, which was done to pit two warring cartels against each other by creating a substance that whenever they put on their, I think it was either cocoa plants or opium plants. I think it was opium plants that whenever the opium plants was harvested, it didn't have any potency at all. There was no potency. The the drug was basically taken out of the drug. So there was no effects to the opium, and that started a cartel war. Like, it's, it's shit like that. That's the real thing. All this other stuff is distractions. They ought to be spraying that from the sky with these chemtrails. Put some of that opium dip. 
depotentizer out there. Yeah, that would save a lot of, you know, pain and agony for the addicts of the world. But wow, that's incredible to, to hear about that. And I, I don't doubt anything you're saying. I appreciate the, the clarifications coming from someone who's spoke to experts and people with clearance. I mean, there there's so much that we hear about in this community, as you say, that it just borders on the realm of fantasy. And you have to wonder whether these people are in it for their own paranoid delusions or if they have mm. some sort of agenda to sort of, I don't know, madden people and, and drive, you know, this sort of stupidity to an extent that is unheard of by just, you know, injecting all kinds of fantasy into this realm of, of serious inquiry. I mean, we should know to some extent what our taxpayer money is going towards. I understand, you know, defense and, and understand that, like we don't want all our secrets out there for everybody to, to be able to take There are enemies in the world. But as far as, you know, when it comes to UFOs and, and I mean, you mentioned the Monroe Institute and remote viewing. I mean, people really underestimate the veracity of these things. And I think it it's to their benefit that, average person is drawn to fantasy and sci-fi whether that was planned for through predictive programming or what have you i mean who knows but i definitely think that it's to their benefit that there's this obsession amongst this sort of subculture about aliens and and the the reality of it which i you know i'm not saying there aren't there isn't life in other you know dimensions of this reality or on other planets or whatever but I, I'm a real skeptic when it comes to a lot of these alien stories, especially, you know, the more you learn, the less there is to really trust when it comes to a lot of this stuff, you know? Absolutely. And that's what I really figured out. And it's really kind of a bummer. It's really a bummer, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, you don't you come think... to it from that, like, you know, skeptic <laughs> angle that what's the guy, the famous skeptic, Randy, whatever. Like, we don't come to it from that angle of wanting to debunk everything. So I'm with you. It is kind of disappointing when you, you realize this stuff, you know, that David Icke talks about may not be as true. And maybe he's just using, you know, allegory to rile people up. I mean, who knows, right? I would trust a David Icke over a David Wilcock or right. a Corey well, Good. Bad example on Icke's part. <laughs> bad example. I didn't mean to draw him into this, but yeah, um, I hear you. No, David David Icke's okay, but what what happens is is a lot of this stuff has been conflated, dramatized, turned into something that it's not in order to cover up real things that are actually happening. That's the whole deal with the alien UFO narrative. Yeah. If they want to keep your focus on that is extraterrestrials coming from off of our planet, right? They're, they're coming here to abduct us. They're coming here to do experimentations on us. They're here to create hybrids. When you look at it critically and logically, Mark, this is really important. It's probably going to piss a lot of people off, but those things that's been attributed to extraterrestrials doing it to us, we are doing to ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing the genetic modification. We're doing the, the splicing of DNA. We're doing the CRISPR technology. Mm. We're trying to create a new human 2.0. 
Right. It's the cover up that it's the government, that it's the military, that it's us doing this to us on some fairy tale, nonsensical, mythical thing that nobody ever sees besides in the dream state, the astral state, or under the influence of some sort of drug. Right. It's the boogeyman. It's boogeyman 2.0. It's always a boogeyman. So now people who who have undergone this MK Ultra experience, they're not just plucked out of a random group of people, as you said. They're people who, you know, unfortunately were born into really shitty circumstances and were sold into the government's auspices to do these sort of experiments on. And I imagine the out-of-body experiences can be quite you know, mystifying, confusing, if you've never heard of anything like that. I mean, you really don't, it's not like a big part of our culture, you know, maybe nowadays it's a little more not known about, but like, I don't know, you're not going to see at your average little town, like a, a class to learn how to astral project, you know, like you might come across the Monroe book if you're into this kind of stuff. But for most Americans, you know, astral projection is not in the realm of like understanding, but especially a young person, you take them into that experience. Are you suggesting that maybe that's why we have these sort of weird memories of things that are, like you say, conditioned into us, you know, this kind of fantasy elements to throw us off the trail from really understanding what kind of experimentation is going on? I think so. I think that's exactly what's happening. And that's been done through entertainment. It's been done through movies. And the biggest one is religion. Religion has hit that one hardcore, right? The nail on the head, bro. Mm. Because religion makes people believe in something extraordinary that isn't possible in this reality. So whenever, you know, because Everyone is indoctrinated to a degree with Christianity, regardless of you think that you are or you're not. You, people know what's in the Bible. Every person knows what's in the Bible. Everyone knows who Jesus is. That's just a fact. And you can say that you're not a Christian or you can say that you don't believe in God. It doesn't really matter. You still know the stories. So the stories have been singed into the consciousness of everybody on the planet. And regardless if you believe it or not, you still revert to it. You still quote it. You still do things. You still talk about these the, the Bible. I mean, movies and TV shows reference the Bible all the time. The days you look of the at week. all the Christ symbolism. Like the Matrix was all about the Christ. That Jesus was Neo. There's even, you know, whenever he's falling out of that airplane in the third movie, he's got his arms up like this and oh, his yeah. legs crossed like he's being crucified. There's so much right. stuff that's just implanted that goes back to Christianity and people believing that these stories in the Bible and within religion are real has shaped and molded our reality here. Mm, mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm regardless again regardless if you actually believe them or not it's still supplanted within the mass consciousness of everybody 
Yeah, I mean, like, think about, I think the concept of heaven is more American than it is Christian in some respects. I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people who may not necessarily even go to church or or have read the Bible will implicitly believe in this concept because it fits into, like, this American cultural, like, perspective that's been kind of fostered here. Yeah, it's very, you know, I don't know. It's part and parcel to growing up in the United States to have some kind of religious experience, or at least it was when we were growing up still. I I think now maybe it's changed a bit depending on where you live. If you're like on the coast like me, East Coast or West Coast is probably a little more modern. But I think like Midwest and South people in the South, like that's a big part of their whole worldview, their community lives revolve around. I mean, New England has that in pockets as well, but not, you know, not, it's, it's kind of like secular. Like people go to church because for posterity, so they don't look like bad people, you know? So the people that don't believe in the stories of the Bible are more likely to believe in extraterrestrial phenomenon. They're more likely to believe in, life outside of our universe. Now, the people that do believe in the Bible that take a lot of the stories within the Bible as being true and factual stories have historical events normally don't believe in extraterrestrials. They don't believe in life outside of our world, which is really backwards. The people that don't believe these stories and these miracles and everything that happened in the Bible through Christianity believe in fairy tales here in this reality now. But the people that do believe it don't believe in miracles and weird woo-woo shit in this reality now. Right, right, yeah. It's been inverted. It's been flipped. I mean, I don't know if that's the case for everyone, right? But from the people that I've encountered, the people that I've talked to through my life and my personal journey, more than likely that's how it is. Hmm. Certainly with younger people, I think it's more, you know, well-known, this sort of like this, I guess you could call it like pop spirituality, you know, new age type thinking is more, I don't know, it's not as frowned upon as it would be. But yeah, whether you're in the more like secular kind of modern coast type cities or you're in like a more religious, you know, area, I think that there's still this like dominating kind of worldview whether it's atheistic, scientific, and like basically the new religion or the old religion, you're still being kind of manipulated or controlled to some extent by this, you know, overall overarching way of, of, of filtering how we see our reality, you know? Absolutely. And this isn't me, you know, bashing on the Bible or Christianity or any of that. Like, you know, just to be clear, I think that, Well, I believe that the Bible is important, but I don't believe that any of the stories in there are real factual historical stories. I believe that they're allegorical, they're metaphorical, and they're majority of the time astrological. A lot of it, you know, correlates to the stars and the sun, the son of God, S-U-N, it's the sun in the sky. God created the sun. That's that's his son, sun in the sky, you know? And when you look at it like that is metaphorical. I mean, Jesus says in the Bible multiple times, at least three different verses that Jesus never spoke, but in a parable, 
you know, what is a parable? A parable is basically an allegory. It's basically a, a metaphor. Mm. You know, it's a story. You know, so that's the only issue that I have with uh, you know Christianity and religion is the people that take this stuff to be literal. It's not literal. It's not literal stories. It's meant to, you know, spark interest. It's meant to, you know, show you something that you didn't perceive before in your reality. Not that Jesus was a real literal figure that was the son of God that came down here and was crucified and then ascended, rose again three days later and then ascended up into the sky. Or that Adam and Eve encountered a, you know, a talking snake unraveling from him. When's the last time you saw a talking snake, Mark? <laughs> Never. <laughs> right. You know, when's the last time we've seen a person with a staff part the sea in half? Right. You know, none of these things happen in our reality. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that ever happens. Now, we can experience some things that seem like miracles, but they're nowhere where is near as extravagant yeah. ever, huh. you know? Mm-hmm. Like things can work out for us. We can have some synchronicities and we can sit back and be like, Oh wow. Now, what do you, what do you think? What do you think of the, the whole Fatima situation in, in Spain with the children seeing something in the sky and then the whole, you know, village sees it. I mean, do you think that whole story was fabricated? Do you think they saw something and just didn't know what it was? And now they're making it out to be this religious icon or prophecy. Well, I'm not familiar with that story. I would have to look into it. But doing my research on MK Ultra, you have gotten from several people that would know, like Walter Bosley. His dad was involved in the CIA, and Walter Bosley was in the Air Force. And according to him, the Air Force was has been running the MK Ultra programs ever since the CIA MK Ultra program got shut down. So why would the Air Force be interested in doing MKUltra experiments? And why would they keep that running since 85? Would it have something to do with UFOs and seeing stuff in the sky? Would it be some kind of simulation technology? Would it be something like, you know, Project Blue Beam that gets thrown around this community that everyone talks about, that there's no verifiable evidence that they have any kind of technology like that. But it's still interesting. But the Air Force doing these kinds of experiments really brings in the question the entire UFO and alien phenomenon. And then when you look at the V2K technology, you know, the ability to implant thoughts and ideas and beliefs, possibly even hallucinations into people's heads. Couple that with the MKUltra stuff. You got you a recipe for them simulating whatever they want you to see. Right. And that requires a couple of things. For the V2K stuff to actually work on a good level for it to be convincing to people. You have to either be traumatized to a heavy degree and you have that that splitting of your consciousness, that compartmentalization of your consciousness, or you can be, you know, heavily drugged. And I just mentioned 10, 15 minutes ago about 
how much of the population is on some sort of pharmaceutical drug. So if you're drugged, you've been traumatized. I mean, look at how many worldwide traumatizing events that we've had just in the last hundred years. You know, you got the the Titanic sinking, you got JFK. Well, before that, you got World War II. You know, you got then, you know, JFK, you got the Cold War where everyone's scared of, you know, nuclear war with Russia. You got 9-11. You have all these shootings everywhere. You know, Columbine, Boston bombing. And then you got 2020. You know, it's all mass traumatizing events. People feel afraid and scared and the medical community is designed whenever you have any kind of problem, you go to the doctor, they immediately put you on some sort of medication. You take the medication, then you're more susceptible to be influenced. That's what I feel is really going on. The antidepressants, the antipsychotics, the anti-anxiety medications, all those are there for you to be more susceptible to suggestion. And that's what they were doing within the MK Ultra programs. They were trying to make people more susceptible to suggestion, which is another thing that hypnotherapy does as well. You know, being hypnotized or being regressed to put you in a relaxed state then opens your consciousness up to suggestion. You you can easily be implanted with thoughts, ideas, beliefs in that suggestible state. can literally change your consciousness for anything that they want. This is why I don't like the idea of regressions. And regressions have become a whole thing for the abduction phenomenon. Whenever you hear the word regression, you know, people in the community automatically think, you know, regression to figure out if I was abducted. But I had I had some missing time the other day. I had five minutes of missing time the other day. I, I think I need to go get regressed really quick to see if I was abducted by some gray aliens or maybe I got raped by some reptilian beings. I was taken on a ship or some Octurians or Palladians. Maybe I traveled to the Zeta Reticuli star system. I need to go figure it out really quick. But regression, the actual therapy, Therapeutic form of regression is to help you with traumas, right? It's to actually help you better your life. Like people use it to, you know, quit smoking, quit drinking, quitting addiction, uh, figure out, you know, things that might have happened to them in their childhood. But the community has taken the regression thought and the regression idea and turned it into something that it's not. Again, like the community loves doing. They love taking a real verified project or a real program or a title of something and then turning it into something else that has no basis in reality, no factual evidence, zero proofs. It's like what I was talking about on with Sam, the looking glass 
technology, you know, people take that looking glass technology in the community and they're like, oh, yes, it's a, it's an ultra mega technology that lets the government see into the future or see into the past to see if events will happen and the things will play out the way that they want it to. And then if it doesn't, then they can go back and reformulate their plan. They'll go back to their lab and they'll get their elixirs and schematics out and they'll redo their plan and all that. Well, Operation Looking Glass is really a Air Force operation to put a command post in space with the ability to launch nukes from Earth. You know, what would they rather have you thinking that Looking Glass, Project Looking Glass is? They'd rather have the community thinking that it's a seen into the future and into the past technology or that it's something super detrimental that's probably illegal for them to be doing. Right, right. Putting nukes <laughs> in space. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I think, you know, again, like this shouldn't be discouraging to people who are like, oh, well, he's just debunking everything. Because when you realize, you know, what there is to leave to the side, you see that behind that like layer of, of the onion, so to speak, there are richer, deeper conclusions to be had, information that they're hiding from us. And I think, you know, especially over the past 10, 15 years, there's been a whole bunch of political interests that are getting in the way of this dissemination of truth that once occurred in these alternative places, you know, amongst unpopular authors and now unpopular podcasts. I mean, they are becoming more and more popular, especially like with great shows like Sam's Tinfoil Hat, you know, kind of leading the charge up there in the comedy podcast realm and kind of like legitimizing this subject and, and also, you know, bringing a laugh to it too, because it can't just be all doom and gloom and, and debunking. I mean, <laughs> I think there's definitely, you know, a lot of crap out there that needs to be reconciled with the truth, but we can do it in a, a fun way as well, you know, and, and I think that's kind of where I come in, you know, with uh, what I like to listen to, you know, cause I get, I, I'm very empathic when it comes to like who I'm listening to on a weekly basis, you know, if I listen to something that's taking me down this like doom spiral, I mean, it, it definitely affects this show. I think I'm more like, you know, just I sound depressed. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like thinking too much into it. But either way, there's a certain benefit to having this sort of like spread of of confusion out there because as you point out like they could put nukes in space and we're all thinking it's about time travel or seeing into the future you know and i mean geez imagine that that like a meteor flying from the sky nope not a meteor it's a nuclear missile that fell out of orbit and is now crashing into a you know school playground somewhere you know like i think this is something that we should know about as citizens and as global citizens not that i'm for globalism in any way but i think yeah there's definitely a reason why our military wants to keep that kind of stuff a secret and obscured yeah, and I'm not, you know, here to do any kind of, you know, doom and gloom stuff. Like, I think that the world's going to keep going no matter what. There right. is not going to be any big destructive event. There might be some kind of larger than normal natural disaster. Now, whether that disaster is an actual real natural disaster, who knows? You know, they have right. the ability 
to manufacture hurricanes. They have the ability to do all kinds of different stuff. You know, Lyndon B. Johnson from the Democratic Caucus in 68 was, no, 58, sorry, excuse me, 58, was talking about how space is a superposition. You know, from space, they can do whatever they want. They can control the weather. They can manipulate the tides. They can, basically, space is this ultimate superposition. And from space, if they control it and hold it, they can do whatever they want, basically. You know? So as far as like a huge event that's going to be devastating and crazy, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. There's no way. And there's people making predictions about, oh, yeah, 20, 2040, it's going to happen. There's going to be a, this huge event that wipes out everyone and everything. Nobody has ever predicted anything. Ever. Right. You know how many people has predicted the end of time since the oh since yeah we've been here. It's a whole. I mean, it's a whole subject. <laughs> millenarianism, right? I, I looked into it a bit when studying my own local area here in Connecticut because New Haven was kind of built on this idea. This town, New Haven, you know, New ha- Harbor, a safe harbor, a safe haven from this coming judgment from God. And, you know, it's not just a, a Christian manifestation. There are religions all over the world that believe in these sorts of ideas that, you know, throw a a, a, a dart at a calendar and that's the day we're all going to perish, right? And then suddenly whoever calls that is the, you know, chosen one for a few weeks until everybody finds out they're wrong, you know? That's, yep. I think that's the MO with that kind of thing. And I'm with you. Sam said it a bunch on Tinfoil, too, when, when those kind of statements have been made. is like, you know, why get into predictions? Because if you're, if you're here long enough, if you follow up with this stuff and you're not just, like, living in a vacuum, it's pretty obvious that... Like from Nostradamus to David Wilcock, like none of these predictions come come to pass. They never do, ever. That not one person has made a prediction about the end of the world and has ever come true. Right. <laughs> Just doesn't happen. Now, what we're seeing now is people getting smarter to their grift. Right? Mm. They're getting a little bit smarter with it. They're putting the date far in advance. Right. Like the Jehovah witness and all that, you know, three and 3000 years or whatever. Yeah. I, I've heard it all. I think that's a, a, a common like pitfall into like, I don't know, a dead end, I guess you can call it sheep dipped, right? That's how they keep a lot of this information, you know, leaving people with nothing to to do about it because they feel hopeless. They feel futile. They feel like but something else is... that's also the reason that they believe it, though, Mark, is because they, unfortunately, they hate their lives so much. They hate their reality. They're depressed. They think it sucks here. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't. It might. I mean, people, everyone's circumstances are different. I mean, some people are born into shitty circumstances that's it's what happens when you come here into this 3d physical reality you know it's kind of like gamble just a shuffle you know sometimes you get dealt a good hand sometimes you get dealt a bad hand and i might sound pessimistic 
or something or some people are like what, what are you talking about writer why do you say that you know everyone it should all be love and peace and greatness and happiness here we should be all unity well, that, that's never going to happen either can't happen can't happen here in this 3d physical reality it's never going to be perfect right it's never going to be rainbows butterflies light fairy tale unicorns because that's not what this 3d physical reality is for we're here to experience this shit that's it yeah here to experience and you get a wide range of experiences here whether you like them or not whether they're shitty whether you hate them doesn't matter it's still an experience and if you want rainbows lights fairy tales and all that shit then you're not going to be in a 3d physical existence hmm. you're going to be someplace else some other reality some higher dimension of reality hmm. and guess what you're not going to get to experience the things that we get to experience here you're not doesn't work like it works here in higher dimensions or higher levels of reality. Right. That's what makes us special here. That's what I'm really trying to drive in the, to people's heads is they, they just have to dive head first and accept that we're here and double down on this reality and make literally the best of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I've realize in the past three years of doing my show and talking with all these people and being on other people's shows like yourself, Temple Hat, Leak Project, uh, you know, all these different shows. You know, it's just, we're here to experience. Right. That's it. And everything that comes along with that experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the, the pleasure, the pain, the love, the hate, you know, we get both extremes here. And it's my personal opinion that this is the only place that we can experience that level of extreme. You don't get to experience high levels of bliss in higher realms of reality. And you don't get to experience high levels of pain either. It's kind of like a neutral zone where you're just kind of bland, you know? We get to have emotions here. We get to do things here. We get to experience everything that this life has to offer. And that's really what I'm just trying to convey is just just live it and experience it and realize that it's just for a certain period of time. And then we come right back and we do it again. That's it. Or we don't come back. Right. We go someplace else. But I am under the, the current understanding and current theory and personal belief that this planet is possibly the only planet that you can come to in the universe. Now this might sound backwards to a lot of people and I'll probably get a lot of hate for it. Cause I already have people have already been down, down my throat on talking about this. 
but it's just a theory. Just a personal belief. It's quite possible that this planet is the only planet in the universe that people can come to to experience a 3D physical reality. And it kind of makes sense when you really think about it. Right? Why why possessions? You know, why walk-ins? Why spirits? Why ghosts? Why paranormal activity? What are they doing? If there's some other place to go, why aren't they going? Well, could it be this is the only place to go? I yeah, I don't see why not. I think our our idea of where we are has been kind of skewed by our understanding of our third dimensional perspective when you know, we see sort of islands in an ocean. We imagine that being kind of an, a proper allegory for the earth in the in space when maybe it's it's different. Maybe it's more like the microcosm where inside of us we have billions of living creatures that have their own completely different reality existing simultaneously with us implicitly because we couldn't survive without those little microorganisms, you know, the leading their lives in this kind of microscopic realm. What if we're the microscopic realm to something that's huge beyond earth that we just couldn't even fathom. And that's part of our ascension process outside of earth afterwards. I mean, you know, it feels like that's kind of where you're, you're going with this, but you know, when it comes to, what we're sort of starting off with this conversation, do you think that the powers that be that conduct these kind of experiments genetically or otherwise messing with our, you know, memories and implanting thoughts and ideas, do you think they only do this because they're aware that this is a sort of free will third dimension that this kind of stuff can go on? Do you think they're ignorant to the way, you know, the spiritual truths or, or do you think they're, they're so, you know, high on that free will spiritual thing that they realize, oh, well, evil doesn't really exist in this realm, so we could do whatever we want. Is that kind of where you stand on it? or Because I think it, it's something that necessarily doesn't need to have an explanation, but because we're like these moralistic reasoning creatures, we kind of try to fit everything into that narrative anyway. So how do you see it? That's an interesting thought and very provoking. I think it could possibly be a mixture of both. And it started out as just wanting to control and mold society. I think that that might've been their intention. You know, cause we're, we are a warring society and when you look at it and look back through history how many people have died in wars you know like right if we just had all of the information that there was to know i think that their thought process was legitimately wasn't just an excuse there's always going to be somebody there that wants to take us out you know, and destroy the things that we've built. So we have to 
have secrets. We have to have black budget programs. We have to be doing these things for the greater good because we're afraid of an external source. And that external source not being some aliens from off the planet coming here and all that. I mean an external source as a different country or other people on the planet that want to come in, take us over, or destroy us. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that they were right. And I'm not saying that they were wrong. But I think that their theory and their thought hinged on the fact that they would do that if everyone had all the information. You know, like, if everything, if we knew everything, everything that was going on, the government, that was what we were doing, even the bad things and the good things, it would just, it would erupt into chaos at this point. Really would. You know, if the government came out one day and was like, yeah, we did all this stuff and we're still doing it. <laughs> right. You know? Right. You're not going to be able to control people at all. No form of civility would, I don't even know if civility is a word, might be a word, would rule after that. Mm, mm, I hear what you know? you're saying. It would yeah. just be destruction. People would just be going crazy. Right. You know? So they have to keep it under wraps to an extent. And looking from that side of it, not seeing that it's right, but I understand it. Mm. I get it at this point. You know, it's a, it's almost a legit national security issue and national security. And it's not just a, that's not used as an excuse or a, a blanketed term in this case. Mm. It's real national security. Right. You know, we can see how people, Reacted in, you know, 2020 with the riots and the protests and all that. Imagine if that was based on something that, for the lack of a better word, actually mattered. Imagine if that was riots and protests over the issue that we just went through mm. in 2020, right? Well, I mean, in 2019. Uncontrollable. But instead, they controlled it. They manufactured an event. Right. The event wasn't real. Yeah. It's fake. Shot on some set somewhere. Well, in Europe, I think they have a real problem with that. Like, that was a big part of, like, rumors before 2019. Like, oh, this yellow jacket movement is uh, these protests are being suppressed and nobody's putting it on American television, but look what's happening in these cities in Europe. And you see like, you know, thousands of people wearing these yellow jackets, you know, in France or wherever else. And yeah, I think that was the first thing that came to my mind was like, Oh, now they're manufacturing these crises to get people to protest in a way that approved, you know, is approved by the agenda, you know, and, and to, to dis put a, maybe a distaste towards those who would take that kind of thing for righteous reasons, right? To, to show, 
you know, maybe the, the average Joe, like, oh, hey, look at the chaos that comes from any sort of political demonstration rather than, oh, no, those were crazy people who actually were paid off by a corporation to destroy a bunch of stuff. That's the true angle. Nobody sees that because they're just thinking, oh, well, anytime people get together, this is just what happens. People are crazy. They're chaotic. You know, it gets this whole sort of paradigm in people's heads, and then they live their life that way from there on out. And and now let's say we, you and I, protest against, you know, them dropping, you know, weird bioparticles from the sky. They're just going to think, oh, well, here's another crazy group of protesters. Hopefully this doesn't get out of hand. You know, it just mm-hmm. totally throws that whole constitutional right into jeopardy, really, into social jeopardy, social criticism. Yes, it does. And I think that we're heading for another one. Mm -hmm. Another one, and it's going to be a big daddy, big granddaddy. But that's not a prediction. That's just my, my thoughts. And, you know, looking back through history, seeing all the other examples that they've set, we're primed right now. Mm-hmm. We're really primed. They're they're hitting the primer button on the freaking gas pedal. They're getting us ready. And it's going to be, I personally believe, really big. And it's going to be flipped around on us. You know? Because that's the way that they manipulate and do things. That's how they psychologically manipulate people, especially in the United States. The United States has spent more money on psychological operations than any other country in the world. That's why we didn't get the harshest amount of regulations and mandates and all that during 2020. Other countries got that. They got the boots on the ground type of martial law almost. Right. Like the UK, Australia, and Canada. Making up for lost time. (laughs) We didn't get that here because here it's psychological. It's to trick us into thinking that it's our idea to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That whole free will bargain, bargaining with our, our own choices. Yeah. So that's what I feel is going to come soon. Now, not soon as like next week or, you know, uh, next month or whatever, but in the near future before 2030, for sure, we're going to get an event like this. Wow. And it's going to be flipped around on us, and it's going to be like, you guys are the problem. <laughs> You're the issue. You started this. Right. You know? Yeah. But I, then people are going to be thinking that they're out there doing it for righteous reasons when they're actually doing it according to the plan. Right. And that's the, that's the thing. And, you know, I could be wrong. Who knows? That's just my thought process. I mean, this whole thing can't come to a close without a dramatic event yeah yeah and I, I think you see it with you know major cities sort of people being pushed into these situations you know now we're seeing like smart cities and whatnot it's funny you know the whole th- situation that just occurred i think provoked a lot of people to get out of cities which might have been not a favorable reaction on the you know manipulators the string pullers part i think they prefer when people stay in these boxes and 
you know, they're pushing us to be become, you know, comfortable with this idea of everything being 15 minutes away from you and anything that you need outside of that, you can meet virtually and you don't need to ever leave that 15 minute bubble, which is just ludicrous. I mean, considering where we started this conversation, like, do you think there's any kind of value even in looking into UFOs or having like a stake in that whole conversation because it definitely feels like now that the media has you know kind of rolled out the tic-tac footage it doesn't feel as countercultural as it once was really at all and also you know it seems like the real truth that was always there has been left to the wayside as well which is the more interesting in my opinion conversation about how air travel was kind of taken away from us as as a as a viable way of getting around i mean they they took it from something that was essentially free energy these dirigibles these flying balloon type things and they made them look unfashionable. You saw the the Zeppelin crashes, the Hindenburg, the last, I think, operational, like, you know, Zeppelin of this type is owned by Goodyear, which is like, basically, there's the automobile interests right there, rubber, oil, you know, it's all, it's all connected there. And you see them kind of crash, literally crash that, you know, industry in favor of railroads, automobiles, and even railroads are kind of going to the wayside in favor of these electric cars and automobiles. Maybe we'll see that happen to them, too. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, on UFOs as far as like, you know, in this realm of like actual technology? Because it does seem like there are governments that have these objects that they use and they just rely on the fact that people think they're aliens to kind of use the, that as a cover. Yes, I think that, well, first off, whenever you, whenever someone sees something weird in the sky, some, the evolving nature of UFOs have been really strange. When you look back where they started, they started out as like a disc, right? a disc flying through the sky. It was a tin can disc. Some called them sombreros, you know, the Mexican hats in, in Mexico, you know, because that's what they looked like. They were physical Objects, physical disc. Right. And now it's it's evolved into something completely different. People don't see this craft anymore. It's like that just faded out. Yeah. You know, it's no longer a thing. You know? Now it's weird lights in the sky. Now it's, you know, teleporting craft. Now it's, you know, morphine craft flying humanoids, whatever, you know? So looking at the evolving nature of it, how and why would it evolve so quickly? Why? How, how could it evolve so quickly? You're telling me these extraterrestrials flew around on tin can craft, and then all of a sudden, 20, 30 years later, there are in interdimensional time traveling warp speed teleportation craft doesn't make any sense. If our technology and our way of life progressed in the way that UFOs progress, we would be traveling to other universes by now. Right. 
So something's wrong here. And then that's just the, the, the first thing. And the other thing is we have really created the extraterrestrial hypothesis. By seeing something weird in the sky, we automatically assume, oh, well, it's got to be extraterrestrials. It's got to be aliens coming to visit us to come and abduct us or abduct the cows or abduct the animals or get us or whatever, take us or however this stuff is going. You know, that's our first thought. And that's been due to us. We've created that narrative because we think that the government has been covering up the existence of extraterrestrial life when they've been saying the exact opposite since Roswell in 47. They have. It's a, it's a fact. Yeah. They've said since the very beginning, we have absolutely no reason to believe that this had anything to do with extraterrestrials. Like, why would they do that if it didn't have anything to do with extraterrestrials? Right. There's legitimately no reason for them not to say, or we don't know what it was, or we're still conducting an investigation to find out what it was. They just flat out say every single time, this has nothing to do with extraterrestrials. Well, if it has nothing to do with extraterrestrials, then it only leaves one other option. You only have one option in the playbook then. So the whole thing has really been co-opted and it's been our fault from the jump. We've created the narrative. We've created the whole UFO extraterrestrial hypothesis when it's far more likely that it is something that we created. Walter Bosley talking about the Snar Era Club in Northern California in the mid-1800s. They were trying to create an anti-gravity craft, and they were pretty successful because during that time, newspaper articles talking about it said that they were seeing weird things in the sky. Fast forward a little bit to World War II. The Germans were working on anti-gravity craft as well. Dr. Joseph Farrell has written several books about the, the Glocka Bell technology, mm-hmm. which was very similar to the Sonar Aero Club's fuel additive that they were using as well. Sonar Aero Club was using a, grid, a green spinning mercury fuel additive, and the Germans were using a red spinning mercury fuel additive to let their craft lift up off of the ground. So then after World War II, all of these things start happening. You, know, you got the Roswell event of 47. You got the Washington flap event of 52, Kecksburg event of 95, the first abduction in 61 by Betty and Barney Hill. And the first statements from Barney was that it was the military that abducted them. They saw military officers in military uniforms that abducted them. And it wasn't until after they were regressed, Betty was regressed and the regressionist kind of influenced her. And then she started saying that it was extraterrestrials and that it was aliens and all this. And if you actually look up their drawings, they kind of look like military officers with a weird nose, mm. you know, and some pale skin, you know, that was the leftover residue of what they actually experienced combined with their, their suggestion that it 
could possibly be extraterrestrials, just like we were, what we were talking about earlier with the suggestibility in a relaxed state. You know, regressionists could come in, they could be like, their first statements, like, you know, Barney's statements were that he saw military personnel in military uniform, and those were the people that abducted them. He can get a regression, and the regressionists can be like, what are you seeing, Barney? Oh, I'm seeing military officers and military uniforms here. And then the regressionist says something like, are you sure it wasn't anything else? And then Barney could be like, oh, yeah, it could be something else. Oh, wait. And then the regressionist would be like, could it be aliens? <laughs> and then Barney's like, oh, my God, it was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that's how easy it is. Right. That's how easy it is. So when you look at all these events and how they've all stacked up, the obvious conclusion is that it has nothing to do with extraterrestrials. It has nothing to do with aliens visiting us from off the planet. It has everything to do with us, with our special access program, creating advanced technology, creating anti-gravitical craft, and we've been the ones that's been doing this. And the cover-up has been that it's aliens. Right. That it's extraterrestrials. You know, and people are going to get pissed off whenever I say this too. But there is literally zero proof, zero evidence of extraterrestrials. That's just the reality. Right. And I hate to burst people's bubbles on this. But literally, all we have in the form of proof and evidence of extraterrestrial life off of our planet are people's stories. Right. That is all they are. Right. No one has met a physical, real, extraterrestrial that they can reach out their arm to and shake their hand. Right. right. It's never happened. Right. It so when you look at the extraterrestrial hypothesis, you can look back to religion. We have zero proof and zero evidence of any of the stories of the Bible being true either. Well, and a lot of these, you know, imagery, you know, the things that informed what became sci-fi or UFO lore, were in other time periods thought of as occult, esoteric, metaphysical, you know, and, and now those things have become a little bit more popular and people understand it better. But you can go and see a drawing by Aleister Crowley that we've talked about on this show before, mm -hmm. which is essentially, I think, one of the prototypes for what became the gray, you know, being that image of what a gray being is. And that's not my theory. I'm sure other people have thought of that first, but you know, when it comes to this idea of, you know, alien beings, it's something that it's still talked about with the, I mean, you see these people who go and have, you know, big, you know, crowds drawn, they buy tickets to go see them and allegedly they're channeling beings from Arcturia or they're channeling the great Galactic who, who has, you know, this woman <laughs> who he's a consort of and she speaks for him on this earth. And it's just, it's, it, 
it's interesting. You know, I, I cannot say that I haven't listened to that kind of stuff in the past and felt like there was some kind of meaning that I derived from it. Certainly interesting, but I, I wouldn't live my life by it. I certainly wouldn't recommend people go out and seek this out unless it's called, you know, unless you're called to it. And if you are called to it, you know, ask yourself why. I mean, for me, I can say, there's been points in my life where I was very insecure and I was looking for this sort of meaning outside of me. And it came in the form of, of that for a time. And I, you know, kind of gravitated beyond it after I got all that was worthwhile and kind of discarded the rest. And I think that's kind of something that people need to do with a lot of the information we're talking about is have that like Bruce Lee approach where you can, kind of wade yourself through different practices and take what works for you out of it and leave the rest behind, you know, as sort of a martial arts allegory is kind of different, but it's definitely appropriate, I think, for, you know, what we're talking about here, you know, it, it can be kind of dark in some realms, you know, when you want to find answers to what our government's been doing. I mean, some of these questions that I've asked, we really can't, say for sure. I mean, you've done a great job at, you know, giving us the best, you know, sources and, and you've taken a lot of time to come up with all this, you know, research and talk to the people who are in the know. So I trust your opinion on a lot of this stuff, Ryder. I think your show is really, you know, top notch in this realm. And, you know, when it comes to this spiritual overview, I mean, you kind of summed it up already where you said, you know, I believe in the experience of this dimension that we're all participating in, you know, some people would interpret that as a religion in itself. I mean, where does that differ for you in your mind? How do you see yourself as a, as like an entity, as a being in this universe? How would you classify it? It's an interesting question, Mark. I, I don't know. I think it just came from, you know, critical thinking and, and critical thought and, you know, common sense and, you know, just trying to put the, the pieces of reality together for myself personally, you know, and that's just my personal belief and my personal experience. It's not fact, you know, there's no proof or evidence to me saying that this reality is just all about experience. It's a, it's a hypothetical, it's a theory and kind of what I base my life off of, and it's helped me. Right. You know, it's helped me traverse through, you know, periods of my life. Right. You know, because I realize that that's what it's about for me personally. Now, you don't have to believe that. Anybody listening doesn't have to believe that. You can believe whatever you want to believe. No, I'm not here to tell you what you should believe. You know, then I would be, then I would be a cult or that would be a religion, you know, mm. I'm not about that. You know, I'm just here to try and expand people's thoughts and expand people's ideas and get to the bottom and to the, to the root of these subjects and these matters. And some of the stuff might be a hard pill for some to swallow and it might challenge them and it might, but what it should do is it should open your mind up just a little bit to rethink your position on some things. Right. You know? Right. It doesn't mean that you have to take on everything that I just said. It doesn't mean that you have to believe that everything that I just said. Right. Though the majority of everything that I said, there's evidence and documentation and real things to back up 
a lot of what I've said here today. But I think that the important thing to take away here is just to, it's always important to reevaluate your position and never be locked into any certain perception of reality. Because when you get locked into that, then you are disabling yourself the chance to evolve. Right. You're not giving yourself the ability to evolve and to change and go through a natural evolution of things. I mean, the things that I've talked about here today is not what I believed two years ago. Mm. Not what I believed three years ago. Right. And it's not probably not what I'm going to believe in two years from now. Mm. You know, it keeps going. It keeps changing. It keeps evolving. And if we don't have that willingness to change, Mark, then we're stuck. Oh, yeah. Stuck in a box. If we don't have the ability to change our mind when a new perspective or new information or a new thought or a new idea enters, then we're, we're in an echo chamber. We're in an echo chamber of reality. And it's never good to be in an echo chamber because everything just gets recycled. You, you get yes people, you get yes men in your, in your show, you get, you know, and that, that's what social media has really done and all that. And that's why I'm still, you know, fighting to be on YouTube because I want to be there, even though I'm not making any money, though I'm not monetized, though I can't get super chats and I've never been able, never been monetized, never, well, I tried once, but they denied me, said my content was harmful and dangerous and then gave me no examples of what was harmful and dangerous. Yeah. But that's besides the point. I like being there because it gives opportunity for other people that, aren't a frequent listener to my show to listen to my show. Right. Right. With a lot of the other platforms, it's they're they're echo chambers. Well, and we have to be on that sort of mainstream sort of battleground if we're ever going to make any sort of sway with this information. I mean, I think that's the cool thing that I understand about you and the people in this community is, you know, although there are a lot of people who might be under a sort of uh, illusion at the same rate, there are just as many people like yourself who are fighting the good fight essentially and working towards this sort of higher ideal of, of spreading truth from an authentic position of like inquiry rather than the, what our social media seems to be incentivizing, which is like, hey, agree with me and come along this like path of ruin, really. I mean, it just, I think it all ends pretty bad when you, you go down that realm of concern with what the outside world thinks of you. You know, you don't need social media to see that. I think that's existed throughout time where people get too caught up and how other people perceive them and you know what you really need to do is is focus on yourself and focus on this experience that you're having i think that's a really beautiful silver lining to a conversation that's kind of dotted with what we could consider maybe the darker aspects of the american culture i mean people take the military for granted as these you know altruistic heroes who just defend us with their you know blood sweat and tears and although that <laughs> is true in some extent and it may have been true during some historical time periods when you reconcile that now looking back with all the things that have 
gone down since, you know, 1901. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm sure it goes back even further. But what we've talked about today is definitely a peek behind the curtain of, you know, America's kind of black budget, what they don't want us to know about. And an effective way to keep people away from that is to give them a little taste of it hidden in what they think is fiction, you know, and, and really what you find is all of this fiction has some kernel of reality that it leads back to when you, you do the work of parsing it together. And you do a great job of that on Raised by Giants, man. I got to hand it over to you as a podcaster to another podcast. So you have some fantastic interviews, some really top-notch guests, and you do a great job of preparing for that you know, situation each time with each guest. So I, I got to hand it over and commend you for that, man. And, you know, given that we're coming up on the final, you know, top of the hour here, what you have any final thoughts to, to wrap up on aside from, you know, promoting and plugging whatever you have in the works? I know you said you're going to be taking a shift into some different topics than what we talked about today. You said before we started recording that you're going to be diving into the murky waters of Waco and seeing what's going on really with these situations, you know, Ruby Ridge and Waco. And I'm sure there's countless others that don't get nearly enough, you know, coverage situations like this, where our government here in our own borders have, you know, committed atrocities. I think I read through one of my podcasts that I do esoteric America, that one of the first people killed in the drug war was in the Emerald Triangle in California. It was just someone growing weed, you know, and they ended up getting shot by ATF or whoever, you know. Same place where Jerry Garcia's father passed away, actually. <laughs> it's a weird little connection there, you know, considering the Grateful Dead in there, you know, <laughs> connections to all these, you know, weird government shady operations. I mean, that's a whole another rabbit hole. But yeah, man, what, what are your final thoughts? Yes, brother. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I'm going to dig deep into Waco in 93. I have a few guests lined up, Waco survivors lined up for May, beginning of May. And I've just been really diving deep into that, watching all that I can, watching all the documentaries and, you know, watching interviews from these people and it was just a topic that was kind of thrown at me like it's weird i don't know if you ever get like that mark where you feel like you've done the topic that you're studying justice and then you think to yourself where am i going to go from here what, what am i going to dive into next and then yeah. all of a sudden something just pops up and then you just take a freaking nose dive into it and you're mm. like shit it seems to happen like that with me all the time and I love it and I'm very thankful for that so thank you universe keep doing that because every time I think man where am I what am I going to do now I've I've done with the Stargate stuff I've interviewed a lot of those people I'm not really interested in the UFOs or the contact people anymore you know because I more than likely know what it is you know, I'm done with the secret space program. I've exposed that enough. You know, Corey Good did his own exposing on that. Right. And, you know, where am I going to go? You know, what am I going to do? Mm. And almost every time, dude, it's so weird, bro. It's so weird. I always think to myself, I'm like, 
I'm just going to hang it up. You know, I'm just going to stop doing it. You know, like there's not really a point. If I don't find something fascinating and there's not something to dig deep into, then I'm not just going to put out content just to put out content. That's not my thing. I'm never right. going to do that. Right. I've done a few of those. I've done a few of those episodes where I felt like I had to put it out. Like I had to do a show. And those are some of my worst episodes. And I regret doing them every time. Not the guest or the just the effort. I Oh yeah. I understand. Especially so, when you're putting out podcasts at the rate we both do, you know, you, you you know, we, we, we try our best, but some episodes just aren't going to be as great as others. But I hear you. I felt like, oh, I could have done way better on that one. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and whenever it becomes something that you feel like you have to do, like, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm right. not doing that anymore. Right. You know, I'm at a point where if I feel like I have to do something, I'm just not going to do it. Mm. You yeah. know, so... With this Waco topic, it really just landed at the bottom of my feet. And I'm like, holy shit. And then I just started digging into it. I'm trying to, you know, I'm watching all the, the court cases, all of the, the different court proceedings, the civil suit, the, uh, the criminal suit. And, you know, there's like hours and hours and hours of all this stuff, dude. Yeah. So it's a beautiful topic. And I'm really going to dive deep into it because there's so much going on. It's almost as convoluted as JFK. It's, it's convoluted as 9-11. It's like one of these events that is just like right. the more you're digging into it, the more research you're doing, the the more questions that arise. You mm. know, there's so many things happening. The ATF was involved. The FBI was involved. Hostage rescue and negotiations were involved. You know, and it's like, why? Why were they, why were they even there in the first place? Hmm. What laws yeah. were they breaking? Right. I mean, I, as far yeah. as I know, they they talked the guy into sawing off a shotgun. Unless that's the Ruby Ridge, and I'm just that was mixing. Ruby Ridge, okay, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm excited to to get the refresher. I mean, I've learned some of it. Obviously, I don't have it all memorized, but yeah, I'm excited to see what you uncover, man. And you know, as as time moves on and you lose, you know, interest in one subject, I think synchronicity is going to keep pulling you back in because you're a good researcher. It's kind of like, you know, the action movie trope where the old gun, you know, gets that call and he's like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> but, and they're like, no, trust me, this is a good job. We need you. You're the only guy for the job. You know, it's, that's kind of <laughs> the impression I got when you were describing that. And I say, good on you, man. Uh, you know, if your intuition is calling, there's a reason for it. For it well i have to make a change i have to make a switch yeah you know i have to do something different absolutely i can't keep going down this road of woo-woo stuff because right i on. really feel like honestly man to man here that i figured it out mm. for me personally mm. you know i know what's going on mm. so there's no point in you know beating a dead horse and also finding legitimate guests to come on and talk about this stuff is becoming harder and harder and harder and harder as time goes on. You know? I imagine you run out of sources. Yeah. And people pass on, you know, I've reached out to plenty of publishers who just come back with, uh, Oh no, that author passed away five years ago. I'm like, Oh shoot. I was five years late, but yeah, no, I hear you, man. Well, 
So yeah, I'm taking a turn on that, but uh, yeah, be be looking for that in May. And anybody cool. that wants to come over to my channel, you're more than happy. Yeah, be sure to subscribe to Mark's channel too, and hit the thumbs oh, up or do the share or whatever it is that 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 will help him out. Sharing sharing our content literally is the only way that we can really grow. I mean, yeah, that's you know none of these platforms are doing us any favor. So you know, click the share button. If you're, if you like what I said, if you thought that it was interesting, or even if you hated it, it doesn't matter. You can. I don't think anybody's hated it. I think you're doing great. (laughs) And yeah, hit the notification button too. That's what everybody's saying now with YouTube. So everything's raised by giants, right? People could search "raised by giants" on YouTube. They'll find you. Do you have a website they can go to for all this, or or just the podcast and the channel? No, I don't. I have uh, YouTube, right. Raised by Giants, Rockfin, Raised by Giants, Odyssey, Raised by Giants. And I think that I'm on Rumble somewhere, but it's just connected to my YouTube. So I don't really get on there much. Cool. But, and all of the podcast platforms, anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm right on. on. So yeah, that's where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter, Raised by Giants 8, and Instagram, at Raised by Giants Pod. And thanks so much, brother. Really appreciate it wonderful conversation and I'd love to do it again anytime you're available brother absolutely yeah like i said i want to get updated on all that goodness that is surrounding waco goodness badness you know and the ugly all of it <laughs> so we'll talk about that you know maybe in a few months when you're ready once you've absorbed a lot of that info and uh, yeah anytime you want to have me on if you ever want to take a break from whatever you're researching i'm sure i can throw a couple topics in the mix but uh, until next Ooh, time yeah. folks love to brother i'll hit you up Right on. Awesome. Well, folks, please tune in to Raised by Giants wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, support on YouTube. Help fight with us against these dumb algorithms that want everybody consuming garbage. And, you know, maybe we'll all raise the consciousness together. Until next time, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with Ryder Lee. Be sure to go and check him out at the Raised by Giants podcast. Of course, if you're on Rockfin, you can find him and this channel there for one low price, uh, one monthly fee, and you get access to Raised by Giants. My family thinks I'm crazy. Sam Tripoli, Eddie Bravo, Esoteric Eddie, everybody's on Rockfin. Go check them out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. A lot of interesting stuff in this episode. I uh, I must admit, I heard Ryder do so well on Tinfoil Hat that I just had to get him on this show again to get back into it because it is so fascinating. We might have talked about some of this stuff uh, on his previous interview here on this show but either way if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that right now Uh, be sure to look forward to the next time that he'll be on the show sounds to me like he's going to be switching things up and going down a new avenue of research which is cool gives us another reason to have him back on the show down the line so look forward to that and until then sign up on patreon or Substack to get access to the full catalog of episodes get access to the new series which i must apologize i've been delaying uh, that project and i will get back to it this month so don't worry there will be episode two coming soon and uh yeah that's all we got for this episode i gotta give a big huge shout out to the hit kit the number one way to get lit you keep your blunts your joints whatever you're smoking on 
safe and sound right there next to the lighter. Some of them, you don't even have to take the lighter out to get lit. You just click it right there in the hit kit. Go to the hit kit on Instagram or hitkit.us, wherever you are. And you can save 20% off at checkout if you use the promo code CRAZY. Uh, also, the uh, AquaCure, I guess, uh, yesterday was your last chance to get uh, up to 20% off or 25% off, whatever it was, off the AquaCure. Now I think it's going down to either 10%, 5%, somewhere like that. So if you're thinking about getting an AquaCure, uh, do so now and maybe try that promo code. I don't know if they'll still honor it, but just give it a shot. Uh, say, hey, sorry, I missed the missed the date. Does this still apply? I don't know. I don't know. But either way, we're happy to support George Wiseman and the AquaCure. And be sure to be on the lookout for a future update on my use of the AquaCure. So that'll be coming up very soon but the hit kit is something i use daily anytime i leave the house if i'm planning on smoking whether i'm going for a hike or just you know cruising around whatever i bring my hit kit with me because i am always losing my lighters and i've never once lost a hit kit because it's just too cool you can't forget where it is uh, unlike a lighter it's not going to just fall off your lap and disappear into the street somewhere uh, as you get out of your car i know that's happened to you it's happened to me get a hit kit keep it all safe and sound and yeah that's it that's all i gotta say for today folks we got a new episode coming out wednesday it's gonna be a little different than what we're used to on this show a little bit of a different topic but we still get into conspiracies so don't be dismayed if you see that and you're like oh what's this have to do with anything well i promise you it's going to be an interesting episode so stay tuned for that and until next time folks immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now
is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm beta testing old theta frequencies. I lay to rest the ego and the frequent themes that keep me seeing life inside a box. Small minds kick rocks, Pandora, let's talk. Uh. I might need a suture for this rift in space I might stay and see how Lucifer's fruit tastes I'm hungry for knowledge and hungry for infinite And every time I'm peeking I can see it for an instant I'm peeking through the curtain at the crowd Sheeps in their seats and the wolves on the prowl Zeitgeist, spirit form, walking through the aisles Consumerism living in their vacant smiles uh, Now I'm peeking through the curtain at the sky Try gaining wisdom on the fly. I'm touching base with things I can't explain. Gods without names on a different plane. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. It's for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, wait, wait.